men will take special. to have Brother Joel with us this morning and tonight, and he's going to come share a little bit about the work. Uh, we're going to show his new DVD that he had made while he was over there, uh, and he'll explain a little bit more about that, but uh, Brother Joel, thank you for what you've been doing, and uh, we're blessed to, blessed to have you tonight. I'll turn the services over to him. Ooh, I'm a little nervous. I'm uh, having in front of a crowd this large in a while now, and but I do, uh, so y'all just pray for me. This video was made by Brother Jerry Smith, a member of Unity Church in Texarkana. Uh, he has a ministry. He travels and films, uh, makes videos, promotional videos for missionaries, churches, uh, different ministries like that. And he and another church member came over at the end of May after Anita and the children had left and uh, stayed with me for a week, and we, we shot uh, around... PG and in the area, and a lot of this. Also, uh, some of the footage of me teaching at the university. Uh, Blair filmed that. I have to give her praise for that. Uh, she filmed that and was able to use that. And so uh, I'll just uh, let you watch this, and uh, and uh, I'll talk about it, answer any questions you may have. But it explains everything that's been going on the last year, the last two years actually, since we've been there. And uh, and always remember that whatever you see on this, whatever ministry involved in, lives we've touched. Uh, it's because of you and your prayers for us and your support and your encouragement. Uh, we're not an island. We can't do this without you, and we do appreciate it. So go ahead. We'll... Mm-hmm. 
Hello, I'm Joel Dullahoney, along with my wife Anita and my children Blaine and Blair. We serve as missionaries in Belize, Central America. We're sent out by the Promised Land Missionary Baptist Church of Hamburg, Arkansas. We live in the southern part of Belize in what's known as the Toledo District. Toledo District receives about 180 inches of rain a year, so yes, we are in the rainforest. We live in the rainforest. In our backyard, it's not uncommon for us to see howler monkeys, uh, parrots, toucans, and other animals that live in the jungle. Toledo District is a very poor part of the nation, uh, inhabited primarily by Mayan Indians. We also have Garifunas, whose ancestors go back to African slaves. We have Creole, East Indies. We have Chinese, Mennonites, and even Americans and Europeans that live here. And so we have a vast culture that we're trying to minister to. We're about 45 minutes from the western border of Guatemala, and Punta Gorda, the town that we live in, is about a 45-minute boat ride to Puerto Barrios, Guatemala. Since we've been in Belize, the Lord has been able to use us, and we're thankful to, to establish a church. We started off in the village of Cattle Landing, where we actually live, and we stayed there for several months, and we had several children coming. And then we had several adults from the village of Forest Home, which is four miles west from where we live, begin to attend. And after a couple months, we realized that it was best for us to perhaps go where the people are. So Good News Church moved from Cattle Landing to Forest Home. And since that time, the Lord has blessed our, our efforts there. We've baptized a total of nine in the last two years. And we have an average attendance of 40 people each Sunday. We have some land in the village that uh, we're looking at to possibly build a permanent place of worship. We're still praying about the possibilities, but we have been promised some land, and so we're thankful for that. Uh, my family is not here at this time of the, of the taping of this video. My wife is in the States recuperating from knee surgery with the children, and I'll meet them later on. But I rest assured my wife and my family are heavily involved in the ministry here, and they are just a, a joy. And I thank the Lord for them, that God has brought us all together. But they are a part of this ministry here, and I thank the Lord for that. Other ministries that we're involved in is I, I am the president of the UB Toledo Christian Club. And that is here in Toledo District, here in Punta Gorda, or PG, as known to the locals, uh, the University of Belize has a branch there. This university has about 250 students. And one of the professors of the church was a man that I happened to lead to the Lord and baptized, and he and I started this Christian club. And so during the spring, the fall, and the spring semester, we meet once a week for a Christian club. We average about 20 or 25 students. Uh, one of the big things that the, the faculty, the president of the university wanted, wanted me to come in and teach ethics. Uh, Belize is a third world country. There's a lot of corruption here. And they want to try to instill ethics in the, in the youth and the college students to help, they hope in the long run, to have a better nation. Well, we know that teaching ethics without salvation is just making a better group of people go to hell. So they, are, they allow me the privilege to, and the, the freedom to teach whatever subjects I want to teach. And I always, each, each week we meet, I always end with a gospel plea. And we've had some results from this because we've had some people visit our church as a result of it, and I'm very thankful for that. I certainly enjoy the class. Another ministry that I have is here in Cattle Landing. We have a small elementary school of about 25 students, and I've befriended the principal, and he allows me to come in once a week to teach a Bible class. Again, I have the freedom 
to teach whatever subjects I want to teach, and I'll always end with salvation. Uh, all of the government schools are Catholic schools. So I'm able to go into a Catholic school and have the liberty to teach whatever I want to teach of the Bible. And it's been very good. I certainly enjoy that class. And, uh, and you can see by the smiling faces of these kids that kids are kids wherever you go. Another ministry that we're involved in is Brother Ben Woodward, who's an American ABA missionary living in Belmapan. He and I teach seminary classes in Belize City twice a month during the school year. We have a pastor from Sartanea, a Baptist pastor, an ABA Baptist pastor from Sartanea, which is in southern Belize. We have a Baptist pastor in Boroboom, which is located outside of Belize City, and three teenage boys who meet in class twice a, twice a month for seminary classes. And so this has been very good to be able to teach the nationals and for them to in turn go and teach their people. Uh, one of the pastors, the gentleman in Boro Boom, has a burden and a desire to establish Baptist churches in Belize City. And so we're thankful that we're able to encourage him and have given him a good foundation to go out and carry out uh, the Great Commission. So we're very thankful for that. So God has blessed us, uh, and we also, the home that we live in has been provided for us as a two-story home. The top floor is set aside for short-term mission teams. We can house up to 10 people. We have a bathhouse outside that we've completed, so we have extra showers and restroom facilities. Uh, and a short-term team can stay here and save them literally hundreds of dollars because we have a kitchen, everything that's needed for them. And so please, because English, because Belize is an English-speaking country and close to the United States, this is the ideal country to visit. It is a foreign field. It is a third-world country. But you can understand the language, and if you've never taken a foreign mission trip, we encourage you to come down here and just be a part and see what God is doing. We've been thankful for this. Our big need right now will be a building program. When we secure the land, we want to build a permanent place of worship. One of the problems in Belize is because it is so close to the United States, and it is English-speaking, there's a lot of religions here. And it seems like that... The thing I do most of all is trying to fight against universal church and works for salvation. Everyone believes that everybody's all going to heaven. It doesn't matter what church you go to. We're all going to the same place. Well, you and I know that that's not true. But yet, because of consistent, systematic Bible teaching, we've been able to change the hearts of some people and show them the truth. So please pray for us. Please pray about our building program. Any support can be sent to our sending church, Promised Land Church in Hamburg, Arkansas. But most of all, we need your prayers. Like all missionaries, uh, we ask your prayers. Pray for my family, that we have safety and that we have encouragement to do what God wants us to do. Pray for our families in the States as we're separated from them. Pray for the people who believe that their hearts will be changed, that their lives will be changed. Please pray for the members of Good News Baptist Church that they would continue to grow in the Lord and have a vision to reach out to their family and their friends. Please pray for Belize Missions. We thank you and God bless you.
All right. Now, I know what you're thinking. You see me on that video and you think, dang, you ought to be in movies. But, but, but I won't stick to what God's called me to do. So, and uh, it wouldn't be fair to all the other movie stars. But anyway, uh, that's, that's what we're doing in a nutshell uh, as far as our ministry goes. Uh, everything, uh, everything slowed down this summer. Uh, obviously, about the time I needed the kids left, uh, the university classes were over. Uh, the classes at the elementary school were almost over. The seminary classes were over. So everything slowed down. Uh, everything came to a stop, and it was a very slow summer for me being there by myself. Uh, but things are starting to pick back up again. Uh, Brother Robert Jolly is a member of uh, a church in Greenwood, Louisiana. I think it's Bethel Church in Greenwood outside of Shreveport. He is uh, down there filling in for me, staying there, keeping up the house and teaching uh, in my absence. Brother Ben Woodward is teaching at the university uh, this semester, and so uh, so things are continuing to going, going there. I can't thank you enough for your support and your prayers uh, each month uh, for us, the, your notes of encouragement, and just uh, Brother Michael calls and just gives me updates on how you know God is blessing you here at Promised Land. That just tickles us. Uh, and so I'm just, just thank the Lord. I'm so glad to be a part of this church and, uh, and the love you have for my family and I and your support and prayers. And also, I'll say this, he's not here, so he won't get the big head. I'm thankful for my pastor who encourages me, who gives me advice and, uh, and slows me down <laughs> sometimes when I get wound up. Uh, I do thank him for that. And, uh, and I thank the Lord for my pastor. Don't ever take church for granted. I know Sunday night you're preaching to the choir, uh, but don't take church for granted. Don't take where you meet for granted. Uh, don't take just don't take any of that for granted because when you don't have it, you miss it. And so, uh, and that's one of the things that we've missed. Blair uh, was just well, we just this is where our home is. <laughs> that's where we want to be. And uh, and I know that sounds strange because after tonight, I'll. Probably won't see us again for a couple months. But anyway, we're hitting the ground running. Uh, but we are just thankful for the church. All right, anything else before we open the Word? All right. I do appreciate that. God's been good to us. Open your Bibles, you would, to the book of 1 John, chapter 3. 1 John, chapter 3. And by the way, these monkeys we saw on here, uh, this, this is in our backyard, Literally. I mean, this this was filmed in our backyard, so we we have these howler monkeys. And if you've never heard a howler monkey, uh, it's quite quite the sound. And uh, I think they're the loudest land animals there are, and uh, next to my wife. And so uh, and so they're really something to see. And so and I shouldn't have said that because I've got the informer with me tonight. But anyway, First John chapter three, beginning verse one. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, and we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. And I want to talk about the believers, past, present, and future, uh, the believers, past, present, and future. And by the way, before I forget, on our table back there, we have some chips and some different types of uh, hot sauce that uh, that you're welcome to sample. Some of it is sweet, uh, sweet sauce. Some of it is hot. Some of it is real hot. And some of it is, thank God, I'm not going to hell hot because it is really, really hot. And so, uh, so our plan is 
on, on furlough visiting these churches. We're going to try to give samples of the really hot sauce to the people. And as her mouth burns, we're going to turn around and sell them bottled water for about 20 or $25 so we can raise funds for the land. That's, that's our plan, so pray that all that works out. But the believers, past, present, and future. If you, in, in Philippians chapter 1, in verse 6, Paul makes this comment. He says, he says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And so, so Paul describes a good work that God is doing in us as believers. And this good work, it has past, present, and future effects. It is a good work that started the day that we trusted in Christ as our Savior. And it continues even today. And one day this good work will be complete when the Lord returns for us. Alright, so the past work has already started. We look forward to the completion of the work, but the hard part of this good work being accomplished in our life is right now. In every believer, there is a work. In every believer, there is a work going on that was started, as I said, the day that you were saved. Now, the day I was saved and I was 16 years old, I didn't know anything about this good work. All I knew is that I was a lost sinner. My sins had sent Christ to the cross. If I died, I'd go to hell. But I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and I asked forgiveness of my sins. He forgave me, and He saved me. That's all I knew, and that's all I needed to know at that point. But unbeknownst to me at that time, the moment I expressed that faith in Jesus Christ, God began a work in me. Not just any work, but a good work. Good? Why is it a good work? Because it glorifies Him first and foremost, but also it's a good work because it's good for us as well. And this work will continue, as I said, until the day you get to heaven. Now, when we read here in 1 John, we find John describing this same good work. This same good work that is going on in the life of the believer. And John describes a work that has happened in the past. He says, we have been made the sons of God. And then he describes a work that is going on in the present, that is the purifying of our lives, and then a work that will conclude when Jesus returns, when he says we shall be like him. Now the aim and the objective of this good work, now listen, what is this good work? What is the reason behind it? What is the purpose? What is the aim? What is the, 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 the reason for this good work? It's to make us like Jesus Christ. Not to make us gods, not to make us Christ, but to be conformed to the image of Christ, to have the same thoughts that Christ had, the same to live the same life that Jesus lived. That's the reason God is working in us. God works in us so we can be more like Jesus. He is our example. He preached on, on the Beatitudes this morning. First and foremost, Christ uh, lived the Beatitudes. And God is working in us so we can be like Christ. What is it that Christ touched the lives of hundreds, thousands of people during His ministry? Why? Because of the life that He lived and the teachings that He taught. That is what God is doing. In Romans 8.29, Paul tells us that we have been predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. Now, the word conformed means to be fashioned like. And it speaks of how God is working in our life 
to make us like Jesus. A, a, a preacher of years ago uh, used to pray this prayer. He says, Lord, if I'm going to be like you someday, help me to be as much like you today. And if we're going to be conformed to the image of Jesus, if this good work is going to be completed one day, if the goal is for us to be conformed to the image of His Son, why not strive? Why do we not strive to be more like Jesus today? It is a work that God wants to do in us. Let's talk about this work today. Let's talk first of all about the, the past work of salvation. Look there again in verse 1. John says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. Now notice what John says. He says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. When John wrote this, he was, he was on up in years. John had been a, a believer and a disciple for many, many years. And after all of these years, he was still amazed at the love of God. Think about that. Behold, behold what manner of love, the type of love, the kind of love that God has, that our Father has bestowed upon us. He was amazed at that love of God and the fact that, that he was called a son of God. He was known and recognized and belonged and, and was a son of God. It amazed him. Behold what manner of love. After all of these years, he loved God even more than when he was first saved. Listen, and let that sink in. Let that sink in, believers, brothers and sisters. Let, think about this, the privilege that you and I have to be called a child of God. We take that for granted. We just don't think about that. We think of God as somebody in the past and in the Bible, and we think of God like, uh, like I was telling the university students last week, we, we, we treat God like we treat a book. We treat God like we treat something that we only take Him down when we need Him. The only time we pray is when we want something, or when we're in trouble, or we're trying to keep from getting in trouble, or something goes on in our life. That's the only time we pray. And we pray, and we pray really hard, and then when God answers that prayer, or that problem, that problem is over with, we kind of put God back up on that shelf, and we don't think about Him anymore until we need Him again. You say, well, I'm not like that. Yeah. How many times we go home on Sundays and we never open our Bible until the next time we come back to church? Think about the privilege. He says, behold what manner of love. That we, listen, brothers and sisters, we are children of God. That ought to mean something to us. And notice John goes on to say, therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. Now the word knoweth means to perceive or, or comprehend. Listen, we, we stand, we should, we should stand in awe of God's great love and the fact that I'm a, that He calls me His son, His child. We ought to, that ought to just, we ought to just stand in awe and just be amazed at that. But the world doesn't understand that. They can't comprehend why we're in awe. Listen, it just, to see the looks on people's faces, you know, why are you in Belize? Well, I'm a missionary. What? We've got churches everywhere around here. Why are you here? 
Why are you doing this? Why do you go to church on Sunday night, on Wednesday night, Sunday morning? Why do you do all these things here? They don't understand, they don't understand that. And you can't explain it to them. But it, but it shouldn't surprise us. They don't. They didn't know Jesus. They're not going to know why we do anything for the Jesus. To them, they wonder what the big deal is about being saying. Listen, when we to the world, they, when you say, "Listen, I am a child of God," they say so. To the world, when you say, "I am a believer," they say, "Big deal." When you say, "I am saved," they'll say, eh. "They don't understand it. Why? Because they don't know Jesus." And if they don't know Jesus, they don't know why we even bother trying to live and lift up the name of Jesus. They don't understand that. They cannot understand why we rejoice over the fact that we can call ourselves children of God. They don't understand that at all. They don't understand why we get happy that that when a 13-year-old boy walks the aisle and believes and says, I want to be saved. They don't understand that. They don't understand how a 14-year-old boy named Ernest says, I am a believer. And Brother Joel, I'm ready to be baptized. Well, I took him off to the side and I said, Ernest, why do you want to be baptized? He says, because I want to follow Jesus. I said, what does baptism do? He says, it just shows that I'm, I'm saved and, and I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I said, does baptism save you? He says, no. It just shows I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. That excites me. Because he knows it, and he's he's been taught this from the Bible. That ought to excite us when when people make a decision to trust in Christ as their Savior and follow Him as their Lord. That ought to excite us. Now, people don't understand that. Sadly, there are people in the church who don't get excited about that. It doesn't matter. They didn't get excited about Jesus. They're not going to get excited about the things of Jesus. Just as the world didn't understand Jesus, they're not going to understand us. Listen, there was a time that I thought being a Christian was a strange and boring life. When I was growing up, the only time we went to church, well, sometimes on Mother's Day, maybe on Easter, you know, we had the bus come by and my parents would just kind of kick my brother and I out the door on Sunday mornings just to get us out of the house because my brother was mean. And I was innocent, and uh, he was just so mean to me anyway. You know, kick us out of the house, and, you know, hair sticking all over, just roll us out of bed, you know. And my parents, they weren't bad people, but I didn't see the need. I'd go to church, you know. I'd, hey, I'd go to Bible school, make a little craft, get a little snack, sing a little song, be all, all the friends there. No big deal. But to get serious... Now, Sunday school was fun. Worship was boring. Because nothing was going on. That's what I thought. But now, but now I stand amazed that God, in His love, would allow me to be a Christian. Allow me to be His child. Me, of all people. Someone that just, that just amazes me that He, that He loved me enough to, to die for my sins. And that's what, you know, and that was the turning point in my life one day. I'd always heard, you know, growing up in East Texas, you know, it's like South Arkansas, the Bible Belt. Everybody knows everything about Jesus and Easter and Christmas. I knew all of that. I knew Jesus died on the cross for, you know, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. But one day when I was 16, I realized that Christ didn't die for the entire world. He died for me. I was a sinner. 
I was lost. My sins had sent Jesus to hell. I was separated from God. But God loved me enough to build the bridge for me to be right, to be saved. The fact that He calls me His Son, just when I think about it, it just amazes me. And this is what John was saying. Someone once said this. He says, if I ever reach heaven, I expect to find three wonders there. Number one, I expect to meet some people I thought would never be there. Number two, I'll miss some people who I thought for sure would be there. And the third wonder is, I'll find myself there. The greatest wonder of them all is that we are called children of God. Behold what manner of love. That's what happened at our salvation. Let's talk about the future work of this. The future work. In verse 2, he says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. Now jump back up to chapter 2 and verse 28. He says, And now, little children, abide in Him that when He shall appear we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. Now this is what they call the future work of glorification. Okay, it's just a big long word, but it just talks about when it's all said and done and we go to heaven. You know what's amazing? I hear people, and I've been guilty of this. Now remember we're talking about this good work. And, and, and I've heard and I've been guilty of saying, you know, when I get to heaven, I can't wait to see... Mom, dad, grandparents, the Apostle Paul, all these things here. And, I'm, and that's fine. That's great. Good. But you know what the Bible teaches in Revelation? When John was caught up in the Lord's day, you know the first thing John saw was Jesus. <laughs> that's what heaven's all about. Now listen, seeing all these loved ones, I don't know how it's going to be. And the older I get, this glorified body that doesn't fall apart appeals to me more and more now at 45 than it did at 25. And I have to believe and hope and pray when I get to heaven, I'll have a, I'll have a head full of hair. It won't be falling out and turning gray. I hope that's what the glorified body is all about. I really do. And I hope the arthritis and everything else that comes with getting older. And we think about heaven, how great it's going to be and all the things there. But listen, the thing about heaven is that's where Jesus is. And that's what's going to be the focus of glory. And if you think, listen, <coughs> excuse me, if you think being a child of God is good, just wait to see what is coming when we get to heaven. And knowing that one day He's going to return, as brother, well, the older folks, Roy and Chloe Chapman, the older folks know him. He said, we're going to get to heaven by cloud or by clod. One or the other, we're going to see Jesus. And we're going to get there. And, 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 and so knowing that one day we're going to see Jesus and this good work is going to be complete, we should live each day waiting for His return. When He returns for us, there will be a change. The Bible teaches us that in, uh, in, in Philippians 3.21. He says, who shall change our vile body? 
that may be fashioned like unto this, His glorious body according to the working, thereby He is able even to subdue all things unto Himself. In uh, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul talks about our being changed in the twinkling of an eye from a uh, corruptible to an incorruptible body. In Psalms, the psalmist says in Psalm 17, 15, he says, As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. Listen, the thing we look forward to, this good work will be complete, that there will be no more sin, and there will be no more desire to sin. Can you imagine? Do you know why? Do you know what the purpose of the glorified body is? This glorified, you know what the purpose of this good work, the completion is, this glorified, incorruptible body? Now we may say, you know, no more aches and pains and all that's true, but it will be a body that will be able to exist and live forever and totally and completely worship and glorify God. Isn't it hard to glorify God? Is it hard to worship here on Sundays when you're here and and things are going well and and you can feel the Spirit? Do you find yourself, is it hard for you to worship? Does your mind wander and think about things going on in your life? Loved ones who are hurting, maybe you're hurting, financial problems, health problems, whatever it is. You try to focus in, you ever try to read your Bible and you read a couple of verses and you find yourself, wait a minute. Now, what did I just read? Because you let your mind, your mind wander. Or the preacher's up here and he's saying something and you're listening. And then you tune out and tune back in. You think, well, what did he say? What are they laughing about? What happened? What did he like? It's hard to worship because of everything going on in this body. But one day, this good work will be complete and we'll have a body that is able to glorify God for all of eternity. That's what the glorified body's for. It's not so we don't have any sickness or death or anything. That's all just icing on the cake. But then, the thing is, this body will be able to worship. There will be no more sin and no more desire to sin. That's, that's, you know, when Anita and they left back in May, come back to the States, and I thought, well, boy, I'm going to lose a bunch of weight. Uh, she's not here to cook, and I'm not going to cook like she cooks, and, you know, it would be tuna fish. We had... At the time, we had nine nine laying hens, so I had plenty of eggs. We had I had egg salad, I had tuna fish, I had fried eggs, I had scrambled eggs, I had boiled eggs, I had rotten eggs, I had it all. I got sick of it. But now we only had three laying hens. I gave them all away and sold them to some people. I was so sick of eggs. But a funny thing happened that had not happened before. I had not seen before in PG. The Chinese stores started selling bluebell ice cream. There, that was my downfall. Because before it wasn't there. The ice cream they have there, WDs, is nasty. It's just no count ice cream at all. Even it's just no count. Yeah, I just I didn't think there was just thing as a bad ice cream until I had that. I, we just don't eat it. So I didn't really miss it. Well, until I went to the store one day and I saw I said, "That's bluebell." And it's not the Chinese, you know, cheap imitation bluebell that's spelt wrong because they had something called, you know, son of a gun, uh, uh, armor all type thing. Richard Petty used to, uh, uh, advertise it, whatever. Well, they had something one called, it was, what was it called? It was called son of a gun. And they had some, it was a Chinese offshoot. It was some weird name, but they was trying to market it like, like the American brand. But anyway, uh, and, and so at that point, I never missed ice cream. 
But now that during the summer, I sit home about 8.30 at night, I think, well, that store, let me just go on into town. And so I'd go to five or six Chinese stores to find who was selling Bluebell, who had Bluebell ice cream. See, that's the thing about being a Christian. When you get saved, you still have that desire to sin because of the old body that we live in. Now, the battle is not giving in to that desire. I gave in to Bluebell. That's, that's all right, though. But we get to heaven, and you get that glorified body, there will be no more desire to sin. No more power of sin over us. That's the future work of glorification. That's something we look forward to. That's the great thing. But lastly, let's talk about the present work of what we call sanctification. Look in verse 3 in, in 1 John. He says, And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Now we call this sanctification. And all sanctification is just a big long word. It means to be set aside for God's purpose. Set aside for a specific purpose. That's what that means. Alright. Notice he says, and every man that hath this hope. Hope means to expect. There in Belize City, there is a, uh, it's a Harley Davidson dealership. I would be really surprised because it was there. So we stopped in one day and they were, they were raffling off, uh, Harley Davidson motorcycle, trying to drum up business, whatever. <laughs> Heck yeah, I'll put in a couple of dollars, get a Harley Davidson motorcycle. That'd be really nice to have, you know. And and uh, but I didn't expect to win. I don't win anything, <laughs> never. I didn't expect to win. A lot of people play the lottery, and they hope to win. But here's the thing: what are the chances that they're actually going to win? That hope is based on a lie. All right, but the hope here. Of Christ and the hope of uh, this, the, the, every man that hath this hope, this good work, is something we expect. And, and this hope is, I, I hope, I expect one day I'm going to heaven. And that's not a that's not a fantasy. One day I'm going. This is a very real hope in me. And when we realize, <coughs> excuse me, when we realize that we are sons of God, that we are children of God, and that He is coming again for us. We should strive to live our life for Him every day. Every day. Notice when He said, go back to uh, chapter 2 and verse 4 and 5. He says, he has, uh, uh, chapter 2, 1 John and verse 4, He says, He that saith, I know Him, and keepeth not His commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth His word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in Him. Notice John's, John tells us that one of the marks, one of the, one of the signs of being saved is that a person wants to keep the commandments of God. That's one of the telltale signs if you're, if you're saved, that you have a desire to keep the commandments of God. Now listen, if you read this in 1 John, John is not talking about that we ought to... Uh, Perfectly keep the commandments. Okay? For, because we can't. We can't keep the commandments. The reason God gave us the commandments is to prove that we are sinners. There's no way we can keep the commandments. 
Okay? And if, and, and if, and if one of the signs for us to be saved or proof that we were saved is that we had to keep all the commandments of God, then we'd, we'd always doubt our salvation because we cannot keep the commandments of God. But what John is speaking of is that there has to be a desire. There has to be a hunger in our hearts to keep God's Word. That's what he's talking about. We as believers, yes, we fall. Yes, we stumble. Yes, we give in to sin. But that shouldn't be what defines our life. What the, you ever notice that David was called a man after God's own heart? Was he not? Now, you think of David, what comes to your mind? Two things come to your mind. What is it? Number one, Goliath. Number two, Bathsheba. Now, we know all the sin, everything that went on, the result and the consequences of his sin with Bathsheba. But still, he was known as a man after God's own heart. Why? Because one thing about David, when he sinned, when he was confronted with that sin, when, that, when he came face to face with that sin, David always repented. He acknowledged his sin and asked forgiveness of his sin. And that is to be our desire. Yes, we'll stumble. There's no way we can keep the commandments of God. God didn't give it to us so, so we can keep it. He gave it to us to show us that we are sinners. And when we, so that ought to be our desire. Every day we ought to want to live for Jesus even more. Trust in Him even more. Live for Him. Do all of this. Why? Listen, the more we understand the manner of God's love, that makes us the sons of God. The more we realize that Jesus is coming again, and the more we will seek to be pure and clean before God. Notice he says, And every man that hath his hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Go back up to verse 28 of chapter 2. He says, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be, what? Ashamed. Before Him at His coming. I believe, and the reason I believe this, because I know my heart, a lot of believers, we really don't think Jesus is coming again. You say, well, that's ridiculous. If you're a believer, you know what the Bible says. You ought to believe the Bible. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and you, you should too. But look at the life that we're living. Knowing, if we believe that Jesus could come at any moment, what's He going to catch us doing? You think there's going to be saved people be ashamed when He returns? Oh, yeah. And knowing that, this is, this is why we ought to... <sighs> this is why God wants to be real in our lives. He doesn't want to be just a, somebody with weekend visitation. He wants to be a part of your everyday life. Why? Because He's your Father. I have a new respect for military people. Now, I was in the military, but I didn't have a family at the time. But for these guys who have a wife and kids, and they go and serve, and they're gone for months and years at a time, after three months in Belize, I got a whole new respect for them. And I wanted to know, I think I called just about every day I contacted. What are you all doing? How's everything going? Have you heard from Blaine? What's Blair up to? All this stuff here. Why? Because I loved them. I wanted to be, a, even though we were thousands of miles apart, I wanted to 
you know, I, I don't want to be one of these overbearing parents and I need a, you know, we don't want, but we love them. And God loves us. And behold, what manner of love. Remember what I said in the introduction? Lord, if I'm going to be like you someday, help me be as much like you today. And that's a good prayer for all of us. Let me ask you this simply. Are you a child of God? Have you ever experienced that love? You say, well, you know, I've gone to church all my life. So? I've flown in planes. That'll make me a pilot. Have you ever trusted Christ as your Savior? If you've never acknowledged you're a sinner and trusted Christ, asked forgiveness of your sins, and trusted Him to save you, then you've never experienced the love of God. And you've missed it all. Some of us try to live a good life. We want to do the sanctification part and the glorification part without doing the salvation part. If God is not real in your life, why not? And I think deep down, if God is not real in your life, you probably know why. Maybe you're not His child. You say, well, my faith's not that strong. Well, hey, here's the key to your faith right here. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. A lot of us as believers, we're guilty of talking about the Bible instead of reading and living the Bible. As church members and saved people, we talk a lot about the lost, but we don't talk to the lost. Behold what manner of love. God's given you one more chance to be saved. Don't let it pass. God's given you one more chance to, as a child, His child, to say, I'm going to start living like a child of the King. Whatever God's laid upon your heart, why don't you get it taken care of tonight? What a great night to get saved. What a, you know, this is what a great night to be saved, isn't it? You say, what's so great about tonight? This is the night that God is saying you, to you one more time, I love you, and I prove my love by sending my Son. And He's waiting for you. Whatever decision needs to be made, won't you make it tonight? Brother Trey, I'm going to turn it over to you. I'm through preaching. Thank you so much. God bless you.